The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. How prevalent is an attack is not really an important question. How possible is an attack is the important question. When the value is 10x of today or 20x of today, what people are willing to spend to attack it also goes up. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? Did you enjoy the big debate? How amazing was Kathy Wood? Jack also killed it and congratulations. Great work there from Steve. An amazing debate. Learned a lot from all of them. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got quite the technical interview. I've got Shinobi back, and this time with Dhruv, where we are going to be discussing the threats posed to Bitcoin by internet centralization. But before we get into that, I do have a message from my show sponsors, and today we kick off with Sportsbet.io, the best place for online gaming because they accept Bitcoin. Now, with the Olympics now on, sportsbet.io has got you covered. They have prepared an amazing calendar for you where you can complete daily missions and get rewards in return. All you have to do is to complete the mission of the day, and once you are done, you will get the reward the next day. Hurry up and join them now. It runs until August the 8th, and enjoy the Olympics even more with sportsbet.io. So to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S, bet.io forward slash promotions. And next up, we have Exodus Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, you know, I'm always moaning about UX. I'm always talking about how important UX is. So when Exodus reached out to me and they're like, Pete, we want to sponsor your podcast. I was like, well, come on. i got to play with it first. got to show me this shit. And they crushed it. So I'm more than happy to recommend Exodus to my friends, to my family and you, because with Exodus Desktop, you can secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So if you want to check it out for yourself, please do head over to Exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. And also, let's talk about my friends over at Casa, the safest way for you to store your Bitcoin. Now listen, there are many ways for your Bitcoins to be lost or stolen. It can be forgotten passwords, SIM swaps and phishing attacks. But if you have Casa, you don't have to worry about this shit again. Because with a Casa multi-sig wallet, you get to custody your Bitcoin, but you only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets and you can distribute these wallets into different locations. And this is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, I've been a customer of Casa for a year now, so if you want to find out more about my experience, just hit me up in my DMs or drop me an email. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Okay, so on to the show today, and I'm back from my monthly tech show with Shinobi, and this time we have been joined by Bitcoin Core developer Dhruv. Now, we're going to be getting into the importance of decentralization, and if a centralized internet is a threat to Bitcoin. Now, this is something I'd never even heard about before. I thought that the decentralization of Bitcoin was completely down to the protocol, and that as more and more people run nodes, the more decentralized the networks becomes. I'd never really considered the risk posed by the internet itself, the centralized aspects of the internet. This was all new to me. So it's one of these ones that gets really technical and I'm usually going, what the fuck is going on here? I've got no idea what you're talking about, but I don't think I'm going to be the only one. I also don't think I'm going to be the only one who was hearing about this threat for the first time. Actually, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you are going to be hearing about this threat for the first time. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this one. If you do have any questions or feedback, then please hit me up at hello or whatbitcoindid.com or you can jump into my Telegram group. 
All right, onto the show. As I said, it's pretty technical, but anyway, hope you enjoyed. Take take three, take three. We're go- we're gonna get this one done. Drew, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you for having me. How are you? It's, I'm good, man. This is your third appearance on the podcast. It's just the first one we were actually getting done. <laughs> yeah. Shinobi, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I I am amazed. I have been without nicotine since the Fourth of July, and I'm not ripping my uh, face off. So, mm. congratulations. Oh come on, Peter! I saw that you were supposed to play <laughs> what? What? with me, dude. You were supposed to put that down with me on the fourth in, was... in memoriam to England getting their ass kicked. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is this is you getting your ass kicked. I'm gonna blow smoke the whole. I, I actually gave up. I'm just having it just for this session to fuck with you. Anyway, listen, we've actually got important stuff to, to talk about. Okay, firstly, uh, a big thank you to Ben Prentice for. Uh, coinciding this exactly at the same time as Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk were about yeah, to talk. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for doing that. I think this is a much more important conversation unless you're somebody who's hoping, praying your bags go up. Uh, Drew, you reached out to you reached out to me, you reached out to the team. Um, we don't really know each other. All I know about you is you're a core developer, so you should introduce yourself to the listeners, tell them all about you and what you're working on. All right. So yeah, I, I would like to tell you a little bit about why I work on Bitcoin, followed by what I am doing uh, for my project right now. Um, I grew up in India in the 90s, and outside home, the world looked like it was financializing. Companies were coming to India. There was globalization. These tall glass buildings were showing up. I wanted to work in one of them so bad. And at home, we still had a lot of traditional influence. Um, so Friends would talk about stocks, and at home, people would talk about gold. They were gifting each other gold um, on birthdays and anniversaries and whatnot. And I, as a kid, I just didn't get it. I thought we had access to these amazing assets, and we were still gifting each other this thing that was clunky, could get stolen. You would go to the market, and the guy would use a black stone and scratch gold on it, and then tell you how many carrots it was. And you just kind of were like, okay, well, that's the purity of it. Uh, I didn't really get it. And um, but then a decade later, I saw what 5 to 15% inflation had done to my parents' ability to buy a modest two-bedroom apartment in a, in a tier two city in India. They, they'd worked hard, they'd had good luck, but these stores of value, like the dollar, gold, real estate, had gotten so expensive that it was hard to be retired in a reasonable way. Um, after I learned about Bitcoin, I learned how you know, all rulers basically manipulate money. India has cultural memory of the Maharajas and the British and even their democratic government demonetizing their hard-earned money or, or clipping coins or whatever they did in the past. And the response to that they developed is gold. So that, that's the justice angle of why Bitcoin is really important to me. But I, my naivety continued and I worked, I worked uh, early in my career at companies like Google, building the search and ads infrastructure. I, worked, uh, I started a Y Combinator funded marketing automation startup and I, I helped build the surveillance state. I, I, I learned it from inside out as I built it, but I helped build it. And um, now that I've realized what I've done, I'm, I'm kind of ready, ready to blow it up. Uh, and I, I truly believe fix the money, fix the world. It should be fix the money, fix the incentives, fix the world. Uh, but but I'm here to do it. And uh, the project I have picked uh, to work on has to do with the verifiability of of our money, uh, of Bitcoin. So you you on your podcast you've talked previously about 
the properties that make a good money, right? Scar- scarcity, durability, divisibility. Um, and verifiability is the one that's most important, the peer-to-peer layer of Bitcoin. Um, so I recently got started on my project to um, make that running a full node, which is essentially the verifiability of Bitcoin, more robust. Um, nice, man. Yeah, that's the why. That's the why, man. Well, listen, I'm glad you reached out. Um, must remember we've got our degenerate, regular Shinobi on the show. Who How are you doing, man? gives a crap what fucking Elon's doing right now? This is so much more important. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, listen, Drew, I'm glad you reached out to me because you want to talk about an, inter- an interesting topic. I, I, you know, Self-confession, Ben did a lot of the preparation work for me. Um, but yeah. uh, in going through it, it's kind of like this is a really important topic. This is an important subject. You were like, I want to talk about internet architecture as it is very important towards Bitcoin. So we're going to dig into how the internet works. So how decentralized is the internet itself? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And and the TCP/IP, which is the protocol, is very decentralized. The internet, as we use it, is extremely cent- centralized. Right? TCP/IP decentralized. Internet super centralized. Um, and the reason for that is that there are three primary primary sources of trust we regularly uh, use when we're on the internet. So I want to walk you through an example of what happens when you go to a website in your browser, and then uh, we can talk through the sources of centralization there. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Okay. So the let's say you go to bitcoincore.org or whatbitcoindid.com. Uh, the first thing that happens is your computer has no idea what where where this website is hosted, right? So it does something called a DNS lookup, so domain name service lookup. Um, these are servers that are typically run by ISPs or uh, big tech companies like Google and Cloudflare. So you know your computer goes uh, asks the operating your browser asks the operating system. Where is whatbitcoinded.com? Goes, I don't know. Uh, I'll guess, I guess I'll go ask the DNS server. Uh, it asks the DNS server, you get back an IP address, uh, which is, you know, you've seen these like four numbers separated by dots, right? Uh, 192.168, you might have seen that for your router at home. Uh, you get back an IP address, which is the com- where the computer is that hosts that website. So that is the first source of centralization is that DNS lookup because you have to ask someone, someone is a central entity, uh, where the other computer is. That entity is corruptible, right? Instead of going to your web computer for your website, the ISP could decide to send it to Shinobi's computer and Shinobi could host like a homepage that says, haha, Peter, you should quit smoking, right? Um, <laughs> And that's that's a DNS hijack. That's the first source of uh, centralization. This, uh, let's say everything goes okay and you get back the right IP address. The next thing that has to happen is your computer has to figure out how to reach that computer. Not every computer in the world is directly connected to every other computer. So you're going to go, hey, how do I reach this IP address? Your computer has no idea. It asks your gateway. It typically has no idea. Uh, it goes to the ISP. The ISP runs these servers along the way called uh, routers, which will route the traffic. So, you know, somewhere uh, up in California here, 
uh, the ISP will say, okay, this looks like an IP address that is in the UK somewhere. I don't really know where, but it's going to send it to the UK node. And then in the UK, perhaps it knows it's closer to Bedford and how to route it. So there are these IP routers along the way, which are trying to get you from one IP address from another, to another IP address. Uh, this is another source of, it's, it's a corruptible entity. It's a, it's a you know, source uh, of information where you're putting in trust to find the other computer. Your traffic could get directed to the wrong computer because the ISP decided to hijack your IP address. And this attack is called the BGP hijack, a border gateway protocol hijack. Um, because the border gateway protocol is the, is the technique used to update these tables along the way, uh, the lookup tables, which help you find any uh, computer on the internet. Does that make sense so far? It does, it does. But also, the way you were describing the way it routes sounds a little bit almost like the Lightning Network. Exactly, it does. The only difference really is the the liquidity um, requirements, but like routing on Lightning is the same general problem as routing on the internet. All right, so yes, that's clear so far. Okay, so I just want to say it's a little bit different than the Lightning Network because for the Lightning Network, um, you you get to pick the path. You can even do things like you can pick two paths with multi-path payments and you can put them together. You can do a lot of different things as the sender. Um, however, with the internet, ultimately, there are only so many C-links and these entities control them. And so it's not like you really get to pick your path. You go through some sources of tremendous centralization. On the Lightning Network, you don't like a source of centralization. Just spin up a node, add liquidity, and you know that's no longer central. You can't do that on the internet. So um, it, it, it's quite different in that sense uh, from, from the Lightning routing. Um, the third source of uh, centralization on the internet is certificate authorities. So let's say you get sent to the right computer. It sends you back a website. How do you know that the, the, the website is, the content of the website is really coming from where you think it's coming from? And uh, we don't have to go into kind of the details of this particular source of centralization, but essentially they send you back a cryptographic signature and your operating system comes baked in with certificate authorities that can verify that, yes, you are indeed on Amazon.com or you are indeed on whatbitcoin.com. Um, so those are the three sources uh, of trust that, you, that makes the internet very centralized. DNS, IP routing, and then certificate authorities. Okay, okay. And just out of interest, could those centralized entities that we rely on to run the internet, could they ever become decentralized? Or is that one of those things where you just kind of have to accept that's the way it is? I, I, I think it's, it's very important to distinguish between the protocol and the infrastructure. So TCP IP, the protocol is extremely decentralized. If you and I really wanted to connect our computers with the Ethernet cable, we don't have to go over an ISP. TCP IP is decentralized. Because there are so many people that want to connect to the Internet, we have built this hub-and-spoke model Mm -hmm. where the ISPs are the hubs, everybody... It's just like the traditional financial network is also a hub-and-spoke model, right? Um, we tend to, we tend to um, start with decentralized protocols like bearer cash and end up with hub-and-spoke models like the traditional financial networks, start with a decentralized TCP IP, end up with a centralized internet, right? We're seeing this a little bit with Lightning where we started with very decentralized Bitcoin. Lightning is, you know, right now pretty hub-and-spoke, uh, and so, hub and spoke scales. 
like some things you can decentralize to some degree right now, but just not all the way down to the base layer. You know, like speaking of DNS, like where mm-hmm. somebody finds out how to get what Bitcoin does dot com and actually get an IP address to go to. Mm-hmm. You can you can run your own DNS server. Like you can cache things so that once you find out something's IP address, like that stays on your local machine. And for that website, you don't need to to go to a third party anymore. But those packets still have to go out to your ISP and then go through that routing layer, and you still have to depend on those things. But at least you know the IP address. So it's kind of like, you know, some of the things can and are decentralized if people choose to do so, but that's more towards the coordination side of things and not like the the bottom layer actually moving stuff. Yeah, we can definitely mitigate the risks. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, we don't need to get into the lightning thing at the moment, but I just, by the way, I don't... uh, I don't hate the hub and spoke model personally. I know some people are like decentralized purists, but um, I use the Lightning Network primarily. Well, almost, uh, I, I actually entirely use it using a custodial wallet at the moment because I still haven't used my Lightning node and I don't keep too much on it. So it doesn't bother me too much, but I, I know that has some potential issues or criticisms. But anyway, by the by, it is what it is. Okay, so like comparatively, how decentralized therefore is Bitcoin? Yeah, so so Satoshi seemed to really deeply understand this hub and spoke issue, right? So traditional financial networks have banks as the hubs, and they can suppress act- any financial activity between these entities, companies, people, whatever, uh, by just passing a law and and going after the banks uh, because there is a CEO to go after, there is a throat to choke. Satoshi built Bitcoin in a way that there are no throats to choke. It's a peer-to-peer network. Every node uh, typically connects to eight other nodes. And there is no one throat to choke. My node does exactly what Elon Musk's node does. It doesn't care how many followers he has on Twitter. Uh, there are no super validator nodes. There are no A node is a node on, on Bitcoin. Um, but ultimately, these nodes have to talk to each other somehow, right? They have to have a communication link. And today, the most popular communication link is the internet. So while the Bitcoin protocol is super decentralized, the transport layer we use today of choice is the internet. And as we discussed just now, that has sources of centralization in it, which leak into Bitcoin. And um, what I want to talk about as, as, as an example of this and to drive toward the projects I'm working on and motivate that is that is how... Uh, how this affects existing nodes and new nodes uh, when they come online. So, so when, when you have an existing node, it already has something called uh, AdderDB, uh, Address Manager Database. Uh, it knows thousands of peers uh, that it can talk to. So it can choose from them and talk to them. And because proof of work um, consensus is such a strong property, it, all we need is we need one honest peer, which is connected to the honest network to know the truth. Everybody else can lie to my node, but if I can connect to one honest network, my node will know the truth. This is wonderful, except when your node doesn't know any peers yet. So you just spun up a new node. How is it going to find out the truth of 
all transactions that have happened. So what we're trying to figure out is the UTXO set and the blocks are these diff patches on the UTXO set. We're trying to find that truth of the current UTXO set. Um, so my node comes up, doesn't really have no any peers to talk to. And this is where the risks from the internet leak into Bitcoin, where my node has to go ask someone, hey, tell me a few Bitcoin nodes, right? Who should I talk to? Once I know a few, I can ask them who their peers are and I can ask them who their peers are and I can crawl the network. Uh, but in the beginning, I have to go to someone. Uh, and so today, the way this works in this query response system that the internet is, is that there is uh, something called the Bitcoin seeder. It's a separate, prod, separate repository of code than Bitcoin Core. Uh, this, uh, in Bitcoin Core, uh, there are nine domain names that are hard-coded. These are run by long-term Bitcoin contributors. And they run, uh, they run seeders, which are crawling the Bitcoin network. So people like uh, Peter Wula, Matt Corallo, Luke Dash Jr., they're running these nodes. They have, they have a lot of real-life proof of work in the Bitcoin ecosystem, so we trust them uh, to run these nodes and be honest with us. But the first thing my node does is it has to resolve a DNS address. So one of the DNS addresses here is seed.bitcoin.sipa.be. One of them is dnsseed.bloomat.me which means that my ISP can attack the seeder. My, if I'm using my ISP as a DNS server, it could send me to a dishonest uh, seeder, which would seed me with dishonest peers, and I will never find out the truth because I'll never find even one honest peer. Does that make sense? Well, a little bit, but more in that that sounds risky. So how do you mitigate that? Well, it's only risky if you get caught. And if you are the person who is controlling the DNS names, what they resolve to your access to the internet, like you're going to have to go out of your way to find a new source of information for them to get caught. And until they get caught, they completely control your view of the Bitcoin network. They could just stop feeding you blocks after like block 600,000, if they have the energy and the resources, they could mine fake blocks on top of block 600,000 and then give you those fake blocks. And because they've completely controlled who you connected to on the network, you're only connected to people who will give you those fake blocks and go, yes, these are real. And so like, if they catch you when you're bootstrapping onto the network like that, um, you know, especially if they have the energy for proof of work, um, they can just completely lie to you. And there's no way to figure that out until you find a new connection to try to, you know, talk and find other peers on the network. It doesn't sound like there's much of a reason to do this, though. It's a lot of effort for what benefit? Because they can do it to at an individual level, or maybe a few individuals. But if we've got tens of thousands of nodes already live, it's not like they can disrupt the entire network. So, so this was the attack on new nodes, right? There's a separate attack mm. they can do on existing nodes, which also I want to talk about. Um, so we talked about IP routing, how, how computers talk to each other on the internet. Uh, this is surprising to many people, but, but Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer traffic is actually in plain text. It's completely unencrypted. So when my node sends you a block, uh, 
along the way, you can inspect the TCP packet and you can see the, the, the you know, peer-to-peer command. You can inspect the packet size. The uh, Bitcoin protocol is very easy to fingerprint and you can just drop the packets. Like the router could just say, nope, this traffic just doesn't go to the next node. There are a lot of countries in the world where there, are, there is only one like state-controlled ISP. Right? How, so how do you then, if existing nodes can't talk to each other, new nodes can't bootstrap, uh, you, it's not that they can ban Bitcoin. People will find a way. People will use a satellite. People will use something else. Um, but it's that they can make it hard to use is one thing. And then the other thing is uh, you can lose trust, right? So if, if like Shinobi said, if, if they're mining fake blocks, I could be giving up my labor or selling goods and services for fake Bitcoin. Um, and then if the system loses trust, then people will go to some other scarce asset to store their value. Right, so they can send you blocks whereby mm-hmm. you believe you've accepted real Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But yep. It would be it, a hard fork, technically, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, the reorg comes and oops, the transaction paying you doesn't wind up in the longest chain. Like, uh-oh. And, like, I, I would even go a step further. Um, like, you can play games with this type of infrastructure to affect mining. Um, you know, lo- look at the um, larger tier networks, like uh, Akami or, uh, you, know, you know, others of that scale on the backbone. What if they stopped taking blocks from this group of miners and sending them to everyone else, but would take blocks from everyone else and send them to this isolated group of miners. Like you could start playing games with the profitability of individual miners if you wanted to start, you know, playing with blocks flowing around because all of this is unencrypted and you can see that. Yeah, you you can even co-opt hash rate, right? So the way these networks work is there there's one node and everyone else just has hashers. And you could just, if you do a BGP attack on the, on the full node for that network, you could just co-opt that hash rate. Mm-hmm. So like instead of mining with the pool you think you're mining on, yeah. um, that connection got cut off and this malicious pool is having you mine on their blocks where they get paid instead of the mining pool that will actually give you your share. Yep. Okay. So... These all sound like uh, scary situations and sound like the kind of thing someone like me, who's uh, just a typical moron, who would have no idea if it's happening, no idea how to check for it. I trust this trustless system that my node is fine, or when I use another person's node, it's fine. So are you saying there's... Is there work being done to mitigate these problems? Are they rare? Does it happen? Or should I have a new skill set which allows me to ensure this isn't happening? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So, so today there is already a bunch of things you can do uh, if you are technically able to do them uh, and if you are in a hostile regime, right? So <clears throat> you can run your node on Tor. You can be behind a VPN. These are techniques that make that traffic uh, hard or impossible to fingerprint. Uh, but there are other issues with it in that everybody cannot use Tor. Our block propagation times would be very, very high, uh, which would result in kind of 
consensus being harder to achieve in the network uh, if everyone to use those techniques. And also, most node operators don't have the technical expertise to set this stuff up. So it, there needs to be something that comes out of the box. Um, so in 2016, uh, Jonas Schnelli, one of the core, core devs, mm -hmm. uh, started working on BIP 150 and 151 uh, to provide end-to-end -end encryption and authentication between Bitcoin peers. Uh, so there is a, uh, I mean, if we can go into the technical details, tell me how much is too much, but uh, there's a Diffie-Hellman key exchange that happens between the peers, uh, and then the man-in-the-middle attacks are still possible, but they become observable. Uh, so you can, you can tell if you are being attacked, at least. This BIP then, in 2019, it was changed to be BIP 324, uh, which had a lot of traction. Uh, there are a bunch of PRs that have been merged. Uh, BIP 324 gives us cryptographic assurance that we are talking to the node that we started talking to originally, and, and the traffic is not being tampered with. Um, is that is, Does that make sense so far? Or do you or Shinobi have any questions on that? Shinobi, do you know about BIP 324? Um, yeah, actually, um, I have been wondering for years, um, you know, why there was not more motivation to, to get those types of things done. I'm, I'm especially glad, though, with the jump from 320 or 150 and 51 to 324, I believe, weren't most of the actual cryptographic um, aspects of it, I think, from Peter Woola and Greg Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, they have been uh, mentioned in the in, in the BIP as the, uh, the ideas being mostly from them, and we are. I would say we are like sixty percent implemented at this point. The work has slowed down a little bit, but so I, I got funding earlier this year from Square Crypto Human Rights Foundation and Gemini to work on authenticated seeds. What I want to do is I want to build on top of BIP three twenty four. So uh, what, what we can do is the seeding process I talked about, where you're talking to a seed node uh, that you want to be sure you're actually talking to the seed node. It's not DNS hijacked uh, or BGP hijacked. Uh, we can use BIP324 to do a you know, Diffie-Hellman key exchange through the code base, or we can do a BIP150 style um, kind of authentication challenge. Uh, but the work I am doing is to make sure that the seed nodes, when your node is talking to a seed node, it has cryptographic assurance that it is actually getting back results from them. Yeah, uh, so like an identity key so that the yeah. node can be sure. Like instead of just the domain name hard-coded, you have mm -hmm. an actual key Public that they key. have to sign with. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and the building block, one of the building blocks of this is obviously BIP324 because we also want encryption uh, along the way. Uh, BIP150 does not allow for authentication without end-to-end -end encryption. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's the work I'm doing. And, and once you have that in place, you, you can be assured that your new node, if it does, you, you could still get censored in that your ISP might still drop all your packets going to that IP address, but you cannot be co-opted. And, and if a node is censored but not co-opted, the node operator will typically find another way to do it. If you're co-opted, you might not even know uh, that you've been co-opted. So it eliminates that completely. Uh, 
And we take the risk that was technical previously in terms of DNS and BGP hijacks, and we reduce it to social risk, which is, are the nine seeders really honest? Uh, well, uh, let's go further than the nine seeders. Um, that's a, a massive starting point. But um, what about general, you know, just plug in a key? Like, why do I have to go to a DNS bootstrap node? Um, Peter, give me your node's identity key. I know you, Peter. I trust you. I want my node to first connect to your node because I think you did that right. I personally know you. And there is way more trust there yeah. than just this ephemeral group of developers. Yeah, and, and, and that, that will become possible as well uh, with these projects because we already have the seed node uh, command line flag with the Bitcoin core node. And you essentially would seed yourself with Peter's node and know for sure that you're talking to Peter's node because we will have end-to-end encryption and authentication. Uh, so that, that will totally become possible. You won't have to rely on the nine default seeders. Next up, I talked to Shinobi and Drew more about decentralization. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, and this week we're kicking off with BlockFi, who were pleased to announce they've launched their BlockFi Rewards Visa signature card for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats. The BlockFi Rewards credit card provides the easiest way to earn more Bitcoin because you get 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every card purchase and there is no annual fee. Also, for the first three months of card ownership, you get to earn 3.5% back in Bitcoin, and for everything you spend over $50,000 a year, you get 2% back in Bitcoin. It is the smartest way to stack sats, and if you want to find out more, please head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, and I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017, over four years, and I'm still using that same Nano S that I bought back then. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And if you're an Android phone user, you can connect that to your Nano S and manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, we have my exclusive exchange sponsor, Gemini, who I am using for buying and selling Bitcoin. I say this every week, but I'm not selling Bitcoin. I'm buying Bitcoin. And I've been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I have also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. You know what? I have yet to see a better or easier interface for doing this. Now, with a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing. And that is all through one clear, attractive interface. If you want to find out more, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Lastly, this week, we have Revolut. Now, as many of you know, Lois TSB, my bank of 25 years, closed down all my accounts recently. They clearly don't like Bitcoin. But Revolut got in touch. And they're like, Pete, come on. Come over to us. Move your shit to us. So I did. I set up my account with Revolut. It took me, what, a couple of hours and everything was transferred across. You know what? Most importantly, they love Bitcoin and they do want to make it easier for you to transfer to exchanges. And now Revolut are offering $20 or £20 for all new customers that complete three card transactions. It only takes a few minutes to set up and you could create a card and add it to Apple Pay immediately and get that cash in your pocket. But I wouldn't do that. 
I would convert that shit straight to Bitcoin. Now, this is a new relationship, and I'm working hard with the Revolut team to help them build a bank which is Bitcoin friendly. There is a lot to navigate, but we are working hard at this. If you do want to find out more, please head over to revolut.com forward slash WBD. That is R E V O L U T dot com forward slash WBD. This is one of these conversations I feel like it's really super important, but I'm just like, hmm, okay, what, what am I meant to do? I like Bitcoin. I've been told I should run a node. I've set up my node. Uh, I'm under the belief that now I'm running a node. I'm able to validate uh, UTXOs. And now I'm like, but are these real blocks? Am I being scammed? I have no idea what I'm meant to be doing now. Like, how prevalent is this? on the network? Yeah, it's a great question. I feel like, you know, did you see that recent Alex Gladstein tweet? It was something like, uh, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. It's, it's, it's kind of like that. Like in, We're backing, you know, half a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars of monetary value. How prevalent is an attack is not really an important question. How possible is an attack is the important question. When the value is 10x of today or 20x of today, what people are willing to spend to attack it also goes up. Mm-hmm. When it starts to hurt, like when it starts to hurt their ability to print money, they're going to be able, to, they're going to be willing to print a lot more to spend it to protect their ability to print. Um, and so, and also, like mm-hmm. politically, like Peter, look at what's been going on for the last couple years. Like you have these insane copyright, um, you know, movements and antitrust moves against big internet companies in Europe. You have demands for like similar things going on in the United States because of our social media issues and how that ties into politics. There are a million excuses in general politically to just start playing games with internet infrastructure. Like the press secretary of the White House quite literally said the White House is actively approaching Facebook with things that they want, like removed and censored. Um, If Bitcoin continues growing, like, hey, yeah, how common these attacks are right now while this is a, a, a child's toy just sitting there doesn't matter. What what about when we have superpowers going, turn this thing the fuck off right now? Yeah, and I just I just want to add one thing. So what what you should be doing is I think already what you're doing. So you're you're running a full node. You are doing tremendous advocacy. You've gotten people to do core dev funding to move projects like this forward. I'm funded by Gemini, which is one of you know one of the people you've uh, you've gotten uh, doing that. And then uh, upgrade your node. So every time we do a new release and we launch these features, upgrade your node and add that layer of protection to the network. Okay. Okay. So what we're really talking about here is like, are you saying these are theoretical attacks or do we know these attacks are happening happening now? They have happened. Um, not against Bitcoin, but these types of attacks in general on the internet absolutely have happened. Um, they happen all the time. Like I, I, I think in the last couple of years, there was actually a major incident where somewhere in the Middle East, um, like for a whole day, internet traffic for no reason was just being routed through the middle of China. And so you just have to ask yourself why and what could China gain from... But it's like these things happen. And it's a little bit of an arms race. If somebody else has nuclear weapons, you don't ask yourself, 
are these sorts of attacks happening? You get your own nuclear weapons, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's a, the fact that it's possible is enough. It doesn't have to happen. It's, it's the, the circumstances will change incentivizing these sort of attacks if they're possible. And we have to mitigate them before they um, happen and we lose credibility on the network. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so how how are you approaching this project? Like, how complex is it? What's the solution? Should I should I be worried? I keep thinking. Look, at any point, like it's almost to that point now that I, you know, people say like, if you are using a hardware wallet and you are not running your own node, you are trusting someone else's node. Well, I mm-hmm. have to say, what do I trust more? Do I trust Ledger's node or you know, Coldcard or you know, whoever's whoever the hardware wallet I'm using? Do I trust their node more than I trust my ability to know if I'm being scammed on my node? And yes, I do. So that's that's tricky because when you say you trust Ledger's node, what mm-hmm. you are saying is you trust literally everything from your finger on the keyboard up until Ledger's node, and then you trust Ledger's node. So you're trusting your operating system, you're trusting your ISP, you're trusting their ISP, and then you're trusting the fact that if the government shows up at that CEO's doorstep and asks them to do something, they're willing to die on that hill, right? You're, you're trusting a lot of things. You're not, you're not just trusting that, if, you, if the trust was just that their technical expertise is more than your technical expertise, sure. But it's not that. It's you are kind of trusting a lot of infrastructure in between as well. But I think realistically, that's what the majority, and I'm going to put a number out there, and it might sound, people might sound this is like wrong, but like over 95%, maybe 98% of people right now are trusting other people's nodes are going through that. Oh, it must be higher. Yeah. Okay. So it's over 99. So it's a, it's a, Decimal of ninety nine. Sure, uh, I, I I think like what's important to think about is the floor of the security that the network provides, not kind of what most people are choosing to do. So when if if everyone runs their own Bitcoin node and everyone is using end to end encryption authentication, the floor of censorship resistance, the floor of security is much higher, which means that. So today, nobody, you know, you don't know any known attacks on Ledger servers in the UK, and you're comfortable using it. I think that's great, uh, but I think the fact that it has a certain level of difficulty to a, there's a certain level of difficulty to attack Ledger's node, and that that di- level of difficulty go up, and the level of difficulty for you to run your own node come down. These are very important things for adoption. These are very important things for people's ability to put their trust in this because. If there's one such attack somewhere, right, there's going to be de- a decade of FUD about remember how that one time that government was able to do so and so to Bitcoin. Um, and we keep moving the line of defense forward as core devs to make sure that the cost of those attacks keeps going up and the floor of security and censorship resistance in a hostile environment keeps going up. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Pete, you know, think about you. You think the odds Ledger's server gets messed with are non-existent? Okay, so what happens when it when it does? 
like, what do you do? What's your option? I'll, I'll just spin up a node. Well, if ledgers got attacked, then these types of things are going on. Is, is spinning up your node safe? Like, how do you know who you're talking to? Like, it, you, you know what I mean? The, the whole philosophy is everyone should be able to run a node when they need to or want to. Well, if when they wind up needing to becomes a much hairier situation than it is today, then you have to think about these types of issues. Because what good does it do if somebody goes to spin up a node and that winds up not fixing the problem for them because they get attacked in one of these ways, because the infrastructure they depended on was not dependable. And from a game theory standpoint, it's also that because, Peter, you could run your own full node and you don't have to depend on Ledger's node, there is less incentive to attack Ledger's node because you have this great fallback option that they know you'll exercise. If there was no fallback option, the incentive to attack those hubs in the hub and spoke model is much, much higher. If there is a throat to choke, it will get choked at some point. Mm. Okay. 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 My goal was to scare people um, with this episode, and I think by Peter's reaction so far, we're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, well, it just makes me think, well, I'll just hodl. I'll just hodl <laughs> for now. I, I won't spend because I've got no idea. Damn scared to receive. Let me ask you a question. If I'm uh, running a multi-sig wallet and I'm using Casa, which means I'm not uh, using a node, I am, say if I'm sending straight to my uh, Casa multi-sig address, um, and say it's a three or five, and they're all separate, keys with separate hardware wallets. So I'm using a Trezor, a cold card, and a ledger. So I'm, I'm not using a node for any of those. If I if I if I try and am I in a safer position there when I'm trying to send Bitcoin if I, uh, and I'm not uh, you know or is this sorry I'm, I'm not even I'm just like figuring stuff out in my head. This is this only an issue with receiving because it's blocks on top is it an issue with sending as well just re just receiving because um that that's where your node can get messed with yeah because if you're sending the other unless the other person is also within that same mm -hmm. having that same issue which is unlikely so that doesn't matter so even if i'm receiving and i'm receiving in my if i'm receiving in my castle address do i still have the same risk in a multi-sig address because it's just an address well, so I, I, th I think we should be careful to not be alarmist, right? Like, um, I, I, I don't think you should worry when you use Bitcoin with a service like Casa today in the UK. I think it's more than likely you're okay. You shouldn't worry, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't think about your security model going forward and how you move the line of defense forward. Those are two different things. Uh, and then... I think we also want to draw the, a distinction between a wallet and a node, right? So uh, a wallet, it's a, your 305 wallet is just, uh, it, it's, you know, five uh, XPUBs, uh, which, are, which are extended public keys, uh, which are generating these addresses. Ultimately, I, I don't know Casa software well enough, but 
you're probably using a node that's run by them. Um, they probably have reasonable security. They're probably on top of things. But is Casa's node, like, does it have a big target on its back? Probably, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it, also, it, you know, there actually are things that have already been done to attempt to kind of improve mitigation of these types of attacks. Like, um, I forget exactly which version it was, but um, the changes to the peering logic recently in Bitcoin mm-hmm, Core mm-hmm. to take into account autonomous systems and like how many um, diverse ones you're peering with. To the eviction to logic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- there's a lot of mitigations in place. And, and one thing you can always do, Peter, is you can go uh, query the node for the hash of the tip block, for the block tip, and then compare it with some block explorers on on your own internet, right? You can, you can do stuff like that Drew, um, and you, gain some ha, confidence. Have you listened to my show? Like, I, I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I listen okay. to most of it. Well, so, how, how do you how do you think I know how to do that? The tip of what? Well, I, th- I think your 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 level of knowledge has been such a moving target. Yeah, you've, of course, you've of course. learned so much recently. But so, uh, hold yeah. on. But you just said a thing. What was it you just said? I can go and get the tip of the block. Mm-hmm. I don't. What the- yeah, yeah. So the, the 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 blockchain is um, is kind of like a list of blocks that build on top of each other, yeah. right? And uh, the latest block has a hash. It has a it has a hash, which is a unique identifier for that block. Right, so they can't fake that. Yes, yeah. So if 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 that the, that hash matches with the hash you see on the Blockstream Explorer, and matches with the hash you see, you know, on another explorer, Mempool, Mempool Space Explorer, then then their node is in good shape. All right, I think really quick here, Drew, just to to simply or like make this clear for Pete, like a big part of the reason you can do that is because of the certificate authority. So that when, uh, yeah. you, when you connect to that website, like you have this this guarantee provided by its web certificate that I actually am this website. So it's harder with that website to play the types of games where you're, you know, stopping information from getting mm-hmm. there or sending fake information. And, and even so, you're still trusting that Casa, Blockstream, and Mempool Space aren't colluding. Ultimately, nothing is going to beat the level of security guarantees you can get from running your own node. So I, I do really think you should run your own node. And I'm sure Casa lets you point your Casa wallet to your own node. Um, so, okay, this is only an issue with new nodes, right? But there is a potential issue, uh, with already running nodes. Right. Um, yeah, I'm just... I'm, I feel sorry for the listeners because they're probably... They're going to be in two camps. There's going to be a camp... Who are like a really smart and going, oh fucking LP, you're just an idiot. If you didn't read, if you like did your work, you'd figure this out. We know this. And there's going to be another camp going, huh? What? <laughs> I didn't know about these risks. I didn't know someone can do this to me. I don't know if I'm being scammed. I don't know if the blocks I'm receiving are real blocks now. Well, see, here's the thing. Like to like the example of checking the block hash on a block explorer website. It's the certificate authority and the fact that that connection to that website is encrypted that adds some security guarantee there. Because like Drew said, like the peer-to-peer communications between Bitcoin nodes is not. So you can play any game you want with that stuff. But when you connect to a website like that, 
um, as long as the certificate authority is not malicious or not compromised, then you know that's Blockstream that you're talking to and it's an encrypted channel. So your ISP, if they try to stop data from getting there or like, like they can't put fake data in there, Mm -hmm. all they can do is stop, but they don't know what they're stopping because they can't see anything. And so like, as long as you trust or can trust the certificate authority, like cross-checking these other sources of information actually does provide that extra guarantee that your node is not being messed with. And I want to I want to add something which is uh, which also probably makes the the people who are worried feel better is that today the amount of monetary value backed by Bitcoin's network is at a level. So all of these attacks, if exposed, involved a tremendous loss of credibility of the attacker, whether that's the government, whether that's ISP. If they are exposed, they they lose credibility in a big big way. The monetary value in the network is at a point where that credibility is still probably worth more to a lot of people, okay? It's when, this, when, when the value backed by the network goes up, like 10x, 20x from here, that the, and they are losing ground anyway, that's when they are not worried about losing their credibility. These attacks are not, you know, they will eventually get exposed. In the meantime, people will do transactions they thought were real, but, but weren't real, so on and so forth. So I don't think today, the reason they're not prevalent is, you know, big ISPs are not willing to lose their credibility over stuff like this. But what happens a decade from now? And we have to be ready for what happens a decade from now. And most importantly, users need to understand these tools to deal with a decade from now and what the landscape is to protect themselves. Like it does no good if all of these things are built and then users don't know they exist, don't know why they exist and don't use them. Like they, they have to know and actually use them. But, so can you fix this, Drew? Yeah, so the projects I mentioned, BIP324, yeah. it adds end-to-end encryption, makes censoring Bitcoin traffic very difficult or nearly impossible. Uh, and then authenticated seeds on top of that, using BIP324, once we authenticate the seeds, uh, the seed nodes cannot be hijacked uh, via DNS or BGP hijacks. And those projects are already underway. So, and how long do you think that's going to take? Uh, BIP324 uh, was a 2019 uh, BIP that saw significant traction in 2019, 2020. And recently, I've been in touch with Jonas to help move that forward faster as well. I can't, like in Bitcoin, it's hard to give you timelines, but this is my full time thing. Is I want to move BIP three twenty four forward, and I want to authenticate the seeds. Mm. I know Jonas Schnelli is you know already put in tons of work into it, so um, it's hard to give timelines. But I would like to get it done in the next year or two. And when it is done, is this is this would be what batch release as a soft as part of a soft fork? Uh, so there is no soft fork. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, the way BIP three twenty four is written is it's opportunistic encryption. Okay, so let's say. I run an old node that doesn't understand this new encrypted protocol. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are running a brand new node because you're diligent and you upgraded your node to the latest release. If your node tries to initiate a connection with my node via this encrypted protocol and I don't understand it, I drop it, you can uh, connect with me via the unencrypted protocol. And so 
uh, it's not that the network gets fragmented, but if most people don't upgrade, the encryption benefits will not really come through. Yeah, so that's the important thing is like, it's not necessary, but we want people to. Yeah, and we see pretty reasonable upgrade rates uh, across Bitcoin Core nodes. So I, I feel I feel optimistic about it that when it's ready, people will use it. It's like Pete, and to to go a little deeper, real quick, like when when you're talking how nodes communicate to each other, like that never requires a fork. Like that is completely disconnected from um, the consensus layer of things. And there's actually proposals, um, like I think Antoine Riard's um, Altnet, that want to kind of change core so that you can plug and play any protocol for nodes to talk to each other into um, Bitcoin core a lot easier so that we can have a lot more diversity in, in connections um, to protect against these kinds of things. So, I guess I understand what the attack is. I definitely understand what the attack is, and what's well, not how it's being uh, deployed, but I understand what's happening on my node. I understand that I'm receiving fake blocks. I understand how that can affect me in terms of imagining I've received Bitcoin and then there being a reorg and I lose it. I understand all that. That all makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know how to check, but as you said, I can I can check the the hash of a block, and that's not too difficult to do. I can get the hash from my node. Um, I use Umbral, so I can get it from within uh, the browser. I could go to uh, Blockstream or any other, mm-hmm. and probably check a couple if I felt like I, I needed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is, is like I've been running my node for a while, so I'm pretty sure I've not been subjected to this attack. But at the same time, it would be very very interesting to go through the process. But ultimately, it's just like another thing. This is the kind of thing I say that really pisses people off. But like, I don't want to care about. It. I just want you to fix it. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And and we should like if we want worldwide adoption, um, we can't have everybody learning the details of DNS and BGP hijacks. It's not that, that that's not how it should work. And that is precisely why, even though today you could mitigate the attack with Tor or a VPN, what we want to do is we want to upgrade the protocol that comes kind of batteries included with the, with one of the releases and it just upgrades your node and you get the benefits, right? We don't yep. want a world where everyone has to learn everything. I'm pretty sure, doesn't, uh, doesn't Umbro come with Tor packaged into it? I have not used it, but probably does. So if it does, do I not have to worry about this anyway? Are you using it? I would be surprised if Umbrella was Tor by default. <laughs> I thought it was. Perhaps it isn't. I don't know. So here's the here's the issue with Tor. The block propagation times are really, really slow on Tor. Right. Um, because you have the three hops. There's only so many other nodes on the Tor network. So it, it de- really depends on your configuration. Some nodes are configured as in they allow ClearNet as well as Tor um, peers. And so then your block propagation times are okay, and you're you're getting some security by being connected to the Tor nodes. Uh, but if you really wanted to go all in, you would be all Tor, and then block propagation times would be much slower, mm. uh, which, which is a different problem. Oh man! Every time I think I'm getting somewhere, I like I take a few steps forward, and then I get a few steps back because I'm like, ah, oh. yeah, okay. Well, listen, look, I'm sure this is super interesting. People listening will. You know, certainly, some people listen and be like, "Wow, definitely." There's going to be a group of people with my audience are going to be like, like me, like, huh? 
But uh, okay, hey, I'm glad we, you're we can go. We can go another uh, another step further for like ten minutes or so if you're down, Peter. Yeah, um, let's do it. And I could argue how Bitcoin and things built on top of Bitcoin could actually help fix two of the problems. Um, oh yeah, regarding internet infrastructure, um, DNS and certificate authorities. Like ultimately, all those things are is some authority arbitrarily connects two things like they take google.com and they connect that to google's ip addresses and then they go this is so and they pass it down to all the other dns servers it's it's kind of like a hierarchy where you have the ones in charge and then you have ones below that that are just easier for people to connect to and all the information ripples down and that's what it is well, um, one of the first altcoins was actually um, Namecoin, specifically a system using a token in a blockchain. Um, and the token is not necessarily required for this type of thing um, if you design it right. Where anybody could openly get a name like that, a namespace that's easy for people to recognize and connect that to IP addresses or servers to connect to. And that blockchain, verified with proof of work, um, allows you to, you know, it, it, there's the same kind of thing, but no hierarchy. It just propagates out to all the other servers. And they now know which key is tied to this name and this like server address. And so you could have a domain name system like that that provides the same auditing and a guarantee where it's real easy for a user to do. But there is no central authority that can just arbitrarily revoke things or change things without proving the correct authentication mechanism. Like they have the right key tied to that to change something related to that domain. And so you, you could actually build something on top of Bitcoin that ironically helps alleviate a centralization issue of the Internet itself. So, so that's really interesting. What, what you're saying is that DNS is essentially a database, and you can you can use a distributed ledger to maintain that database. Uh, the the follow up question I would have is how do you then bootstrap a node that's trying to maintain that ledger? Well, you got to piggyback on top of Bitcoin's proof of work, which would be the only rational thing to connect that to, and then validate everything. Um, you know, and also just by the nature of this, um, you know, you can have proofs um, for inclusion or lack of inclusion if you want to canonically order things. Um, you know, it's, it's not Bitcoin itself. You can make a lot of design decisions. So you, you could even go in a direction making the validation of it as modular and lightweight as possible, where you can validate certain things without having to fully validate everything. That, 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 I guess like that, I'm not sure that that answers my question. My question is, I'm spinning up a, a new node that's going to keep this distributed ledger of this distributed DNS. I still have to ask someone who are the other peers I talk to for this distributed ledger. Because the internet is fundamentally a query response system. You have well, to ask would, a query and get okay, a response. I, I see what you're saying. Um, like it, the idea would be to piggyback on top of Bitcoin with a canonical commitment, like say a chain of transactions starting with an identifiable transaction 
committing to the state of things. And so as long as you can bootstrap into Bitcoin itself, then you can use that anchor point as a way to bootstrap into this DN- or new DNS system. I see. So, so, so you, you kind of mitigate the risk on the Bitcoin layer using BIP324 and authenticated seeds and then build a distributed uh, DNS system on top of Bitcoin. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, the same kind of logic, just a different cryptographic commitment structure, but you could do the exact same thing with, um, you know, certificate authorities, allow people to opt into that. Although that would be a lot harder to deal with because now we have to have the politics uh, conversation of make all of the browsers let people, um, you know, just incorporate their, um, import their own authority key. (laughs) Wouldn't you have to keep the, wouldn't you have to make public the private keys of the people that were having certificates issued to them? Well, no, because my my whole thought process there would people could self-issue and then people could form their own authorities that people would choose to trust or not and simply notarize things based on that. Like a web of trust uh, Mm -hmm. model. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm, Okay. Well, listen, is there anything else to add to it? No. I'm I'm good. Well, I'm going to put this one out there. Be very scared of the NSA, Peter. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, you don't have to be. I spoke to them this morning. (laughs) They're not worried about this right now. They're watching Elon. (laughs) Uh, Listen, if people want to follow your work and they want to ask you questions, get in touch, because they're not going to ask me about this one, because I'm clearly vastly out of my depth. How do they... uh, how do you get hold of you, man? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is uh, Dhruv, D-H-R-U-V, like Victor V. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get questions and have conversations and learn along the way. Um, Shinobi. Yes? You don't need to tell everyone where you're from, but thank you for joining us for this. Um, this was interesting, and it's making me think quite a bit, but uh, I need to let my brain turn over. I'm probably going to have to re-listen to this one, which uh, I don't ever do in my shows because I hate my voice. But I think I need to just go back and listen to this one and like try and take this all in. But listen, praise you for your work, man. I do these shows. I did one the other day on the Lightning Network. That actually, it came out today with Christian Decker and I think it's Carla, Carla Cohen. Uh, and again, it was like a whole bunch of shit. I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just glad they're working on it. And so it's, it's the same I can say to you. I'm just... Really grateful we have people like you, amazing people working on this stuff and you know, looking to the future of Bitcoin and making it as robust and as strong as possible. And I also want to congratulate us all for getting through this interview, finally. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and likewise, Peter, I have to say, your podcast is one of the, it was a big part of my orange pill, pilling process. So well, uh, I guess, thank you for, for doing the work. You no did. worries. I guess that's more for what other people said than me, but that's brilliant, man. And I appreciate it. And uh, I heard some little, little bit of uh, sound in the background, but I think we can get rid of that. Um, but I uh, appreciate you, man. All right, Peter, you, you, you got to promise me one thing, though, when this episode drops, yeah. you need to include a poll in, in the thread um, asking whether after listening to this, People got a little scared in that. <laughs> well, I think they will. But the, I, I, what I'd be more interested in is like, uh, 
two poles. Do you understand what the attack that Drew was talking about and are you scared? And do you not understand the attack and are you scared? Because there may be people who understand it. <laughs> they go, yeah, I understand it. I'm not scared because I know what the fuck I'm doing. And I think that's what it's going to be. People who understand it are like, yeah, they're not worried. People like me are like, be like, oh shit, this sounds scary. I don't know how to deal with this. But look, we'll put it out there. It'll be interesting. It's great. It's just, to- just by inner troll. I, 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 I'm, I'm morbidly curious. Yeah. No way. It's I, not I, the first time Peter would have contributed to uh, crashing the price of Bitcoin. Dude. Listen, that's, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> Elon Musk. All right, dudes, love it. Brilliant. Glad we got there in the end. Uh, Shinobi, I will talk to you next month. And Druv, man, stay in touch. Like, keep, keep letting me know what you're working on. If you need me to tweet anything out, let me tweet it out. Uh, if you've got something else to come back on the show and talk about, please come and do it. Uh, it's been great talking to you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. No worries, anytime. Peace out. Peace out, Shinobi. Toodles. Okay, did that scare you a little bit? Did I sound scared? Maybe some of you already get this. Maybe you're like, Pete, come on, you're just a moron. You just need to you need to go and check those block headers. You got this. Like, honestly, I've got no idea. Some of this stuff is super complicated, and it really blew my mind. I had no idea about this stuff or these threats, and it was a little bit worrying to me. But look, you guys know I'm not technical, and I know a lot of you aren't because you email me and you tell me the same stuff. So I'm just hoping that the amazing work by the likes of Drew and others it's going to make this thing a thing of the past and we don't have to worry about these threats in the future. And it's just, you know, it's, I think we're all kind of lucky that we have these people in place, which also is a reminder why, if you can, you should be supporting developers. We all should be supporting developers. So anyway, if you've got any questions about this or you want to get in touch, you can jump into the What Bitcoin Did Telegram channel or you can hit me up at hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, if you want to support the show, it's, pardon me, it's been going for four years now. If you've been listening to the show more than a year and you've never left me a review on Apple iTunes, I know who you are. I'm going to come and knock on your door. And I'm going to say, what are you doing? Go and leave me a review. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm not going to knock on your door. I'm not a weirdo. But please, go and leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully, you enjoy the show enough that you can spend two minutes doing that and give it a five-star review. Outside of that, it's pretty late here. I'm doing. A, I usually do these recordings in the morning, but my boy Danny he wants to get down the boozer tomorrow night, so I'm doing it this evening. I'm doing it late, so I'm going to be heading off to bed. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show. And as ever, if you want to get in touch, just hit me up on my email or jump into my Telegram group. Have a great weekend, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>